I have seen your chain, and I'm so ill. This is a warning, I can't be killed. All in your cabeza without a chaser. Not another teacher with this much flavor. Get your hands up for Espanol. The Spanish evil genius, they're probably the meanest. Say hello to Batu, a classic caliente. It's one set of dos, and I know how much you miss my chain. All right, uh, can you tell us how you became the writer of this particular episode? I mean, the short answer is um, there was there's no particular reason why I was the writer on this episode. Uh, like like a lot of sitcoms, you just um, you know you you sort of break stories somewhat collaboratively. You you, you throw around, especially at the beginning of the season, you'll you'll toss around a bunch of ideas as a big group in a room. No one's taking ownership of anything, and then when it comes time to dole out scripts. You literally just go right through the seniority, you know, the batting order of seniority. So, I was m- must have been the yeah, I was uh, uh, the second most senior person on staff that year. So I got to write the second episode. That's really how it came about. And in the when I, I one thing that surprised me when I was looking at our at our at like our notes from that era. Um, I had forgotten, but we were for for quite a while in according to the timestamp here, June of 2011, when we were uh, breaking this story, for quite a while, this was going to be Annie's move. Oh, wow. Oh. Um, so we knew it, this would have been, yeah, so like in the in the preseason of, of um, season three, in the summer, when, you know, if the writers gather around right after um, uh, Labor Day, typically, sorry, after Memorial Day, uh, uh, yeah, May or June is when the writing starts. And production starts in sometime in August. Uh, so in in uh, June of uh, 2011, we knew that we were going to do an Annie moving episode that she was going to move in with Troy and Abed. Uh, and I guess we had for a long time we thought that would be the second episode. And at some point, it got pushed. How did you get Martin Starr? In in the early breaking of it, uh, that was going to be John Hodgman. Oh, uh, cool. I just know that we, I, I'm not sure what, um, uh, how it happened, but I know that in our early notes, we thought of that character as John Hodgman. Uh, okay. And I'm, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure when, uh, it became Martin Starr, but, uh, how we got him was, uh, uh Allison had just worked with him on a small movie. What movie was it? I don't know. Someone will have to look it up. Save but the date. Save the date. Save the date. Yeah. And so she knew him and she was friends with him. And I think she might have come in and, and, and lobbied for, let's get, uh, I just worked with this guy. He's really funny. Okay. And who gave him the name Clagoras? Uh, <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, that was me. That was you. <laughs> when, I, when I typed it on the page, I thought, this is going to change. Uh, (laughs) every time we sat down to revise it I kept waiting for someone to tell me to change it and no one told me to change it (laughs) and then honestly there are jokes that writers do that where you go like this probably only amuses me but uh, to me my my favorite stupid thing about this I don't even know if it made it into the episode does he he say uh, either pronunciation is fine yes I was literally just about to say it is just the most brilliant oh it just every time it Gets me. <laughs> Just completely you. unaffected. Other <laughs> one. <laughs> so good.
well, I'll just become a parody of uh, myself and ask you about the <laughs> Britta plotline from this episode. Um, and this is this is a great one. This is one of her best. Uh, and I'm curious, like, what incarnations did this go through? How did we arrive at this like war with Chang? I'm I'm curious. Oh man, that's a really good question because I just I've, I'm looking through these notes. Uh, um, my guess is I'm trying I'm going to try to play catch up really fast by just looking at our initial notes here. Uh, um, I believe the the Brita story is a case of it came out almost fully formed. Uh, in the sense that we knew that apparently we knew, you know, all right, I'm backfilling a little here based on how I know things worked. I don't know, uh, but I'm sure that at the beginning, you know, in the, in the off season, you know, in the summer of before season three, we, there was a, probably a long discussion about Chang and what, what he should do next because he had at the end of season two, he was sort of, uh, he was living in the vents, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. <laughs> uh, and so yeah. it was like, uh, we we knew that something was, you know, Chang was, all, every year there was always a discussion of like, is Chang, what's, what's Chang's function going to be? What's his job going to be? So early on, at some point, we must have decided he's going to join, he's going to become uh, school security. And that seemed like a really fun thing for him. And then uh, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, Britta considers herself to be a world traveler. She, oh, Britta wants to be Ghana because she's been there. Uh, and then you, I'm reading the notes here. She wants to be Ghana in the model UN. She wants to be Ghana because she's, she claims she's been there, but then you find out when she went there, she got food poisoning and she was stuck in the hotel the whole time. <laughs> Is that from like a or are there early versions of this story where Britta is on the Model UN team? I'm going to read you. Th these are sort of disjointed notes. Uh, Let's do it. Uh, th uh, 302 notes. We have to subdivide the road of trials and atonement into little micro chunks. I don't know who said that. There's a period where she can't get them to immerse themselves in the reality. There's an America parallel. Uh, what's Jeff's role? Is Annie confiding in him? Britta story. Uh, oh, so for a time we talked about an ex-boyfriend of Britta's coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, has Britta made peace with her past? Does she consider her to be joined? Does she consider herself to be joining the establishment? Mm -hmm. uh, and this boyfriend's arrival reminds her that she's sold out. So it sounds like if I'm totally interpolating here but it sounds like we were on the we were hunting down something about Britta and a crisis of uh, of her you know conscience for herself uh uh and that for at least a day because they're in these notes uh we thought an, an ex-boyfriend shows up um and that makes her question the choices that she's made you know someone who's still out there mm -hmm. being an anarchist and then we go, Britta thought that the, 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 someone's pitched, the thought of someone having got to participate in, uh, uh, wait, sorry. She, Britta, maybe Britta hears through the grapevine that her, her old mentor died trying to sink a whaling boat. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the initial incarnation of it. 
for, first, Bridget has an ex-boyfriend who, from her anarchy days who shows up, and then she gets the news that her old men, her anarchist mentor, which is a funny concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's not how those work. <laughs> I, I need one when of you those. Become an I have a couple of those if anybody wants a good recommendation. <laughs> but conceptually, uh, some of those ideas schedule, show though. up. So conceptually, yeah, oh some God. of those ideas show up in later seasons. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were floating around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, with Blade, the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, in the uh, um, beta male bondage, she, she encounters her ex-group <laughs> of friends who all... Yeah. Um, Interesting. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but they've gone mainstream and she's disappointed right, in right. them, right? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britta can be out front trying to rally again. Oh, so then someone suggested Britta was not participating in the Model UN, which is how we ended up going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, so I get, it looks like we were torn between her because it certainly could have been gotten, we could have gotten a lot of mileage out of her being Ghana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good joke. Someone, said, someone pitched this for Britta saying she wanted to be South Africa. Uh, because she wanted to support the African people. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! Wow. Yeah. No, Britta. No. <laughs> it's like I like spot that. on, though. Yeah, yeah it's right on the money. Any of her. those would have been good. It would have. Yeah. Any of them would have been good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but how, yeah. How do you get to the end on the window? I I've made you co-host, by the way. So if you do, I think you can now share something if you decide to. Oh oh oh! Wait, hold Just on a, a second. Oh yeah. Oh. Where did? Be sure you have all of your other tabs closed. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Compiled notes from uh, six twenty three two thousand eleven. Wow. They're pretty cryptic. Uh, there's an America parallel where America starts the UN and presides over squabbling countries. Oh, so someone said we can pull the plug on the anarchist boyfriend. I guess uh, it's, uh, he was gonna die. He <laughs> 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 was in critical condition. <laughs> That's probably Dan coming in and saying, "I don't want to do that." Uh, mm. But you can see what's Jeff's role. Is Annie? We're trying to figure out Jeff's role, ex-boyfriend. This is great. Britta considers herself a world traveler. Mm. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm the world's poor. Do with that what you will. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, uh, is this part of what writer's assistants do, Andy? Is this, is, do they take the minutes and, and send them out to all the writers? Yeah, it's such a hard, it's such a thankless job, um, especially in those early days in the season when you're just really just freeform brainstorming and a poor writer's assistant, it should be a court reporter, but they're just trying to keep up, <laughs> trying to jot down what's important because they can't catch everything. And then, I mean, the sad, here's, the, here's the saddest thing. And uh, no one's going to see this, right? So I can say this. Writer's assistants will toil and do this and create these documents and send it out, you know, send, send, send them out every night. And, and most likely I didn't read this when it was emailed to me. <laughs> Because uh, I was like, well, I was there. I don't need to. I don't need to be in my room. <laughs> Notes are for suckers. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Well, thank you. That was a beautiful answer. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can see. You can see. All right, yeah. All right. All right. Let's get. Yeah, let's get more questions. <laughs>
I have a question about, so it, uh, now that we've established that at first, it wasn't going to be a Brita, you know, and Chang cop and protester kind of dynamic. That happens to be incredibly relevant right now. Was there, what was the conversation like? Because I have a hard time believing that y'all didn't, even though it is a comedy, y'all didn't talk about themes, at least uh. in a sense of a satire kind of discussion. Like what was the, what was it, what were the hopes maybe? I guess, that you had as a team behind what you were trying to say about this dynamic. I mean, there is a, a level of, it's just goofy and there's like yeah. stuff that's completely irreverent and has nothing to do with that actual <laughs> dynamic, but there are nuggets of truth that line the foundation. And I was just wondering what that conversation kind of sounded like. That's such a good question. And I, you know, I mean, I guess I would describe it this way, which is that it like, you have like a comedy brain and a story brain mm -hmm. and it's like in a comedy writer's room, you're basically the, the first thing you're looking for is irony. Mm -hmm. uh, and so <laughs> it's obvious you can see it in the notes. Like when we, when we said Britta wants to be Ghana or, or Britta <laughs> wants to be South Af South Africa because she feels for the African people. Right. Um, that's just us hunting for irony and, and hit, you know, finding it, you know, <laughs> that would have been fantastic or at least a good joke. So the, the initial pit, you know, the, I'm sure that the initial rush of adrenaline we got with Britta was just the, the, the easy irony of this person who used to protest, uh, uh, who gets jealous when she hears that an old friend of hers got arrested for something or is in trouble, you know, basically sure. the, the midlife crisis of an anarchist is funny. Yeah. Um, so theme wise, we probably didn't have any idea what the theme was at that moment. We were just thinking like, oh, there are there are funny jokes that come right out of this that you could just, you know, that's like, oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? And, you know, she's <laughs> that, sure. that kind of attitude. And then with the uh, but also and then I I'm guessing really because I don't remember those conversations. I just know that we it, once you put Chang in it, you realize that. You, the other thing that happened on Community a lot, it happens on a lot of sitcoms, is that you're searching for the the parallel story in in our serious media world. In other words, you're as soon as you get as soon as you have um, uh, Britta and Chang as a cop and a criminal, mm -hmm. um, you quickly get to well, we sure could. I mean, we sure could play the trope of that they're that this is like a marriage that they both need each other, that they both mm -hmm. define each other. You know, it's like those that kind of stuff uh, just grows <laughs> out of it immediately. Like her life, Britta's um, Britta's what Britta craves is to be uh, caught and arrested and abused by the system. Sure. Without so the state, there's her. nothing to rebel against. <laughs> right. Without <laughs> the state, there's nothing to rebel. Yes. And it, yes, amazing observation. And it's also, and it also becomes a personal story because it's sure. like, you could play the love story trope of it. For sure. Which is definitely one of my favorite <laughs> aspects of it. I just remember very viscerally when watching it most recently, the way that yeah. Chang and the other cop, talk about um there's this there's a very specific kind of reference to the way that they kind of re directly relate their role with brutalizing people yeah you know and like and like <laughs> giving chang a taser for a laugh is oh. is this really dark betrayal of because you're expecting it's set up at the beginning that he's a, he's a security guard he's like if you see something go wrong call a cop you know it's very much yeah. like like yeah. we don't, we're not cops. Like we don't 
treat people like cops treat people. And then he lets into this story of like, man, and then I saw this cop beat the crap out of someone and I was so jealous. And that to me kind of like hit a very real nerve to me because there's this kind of dynamic about what draws you to being a cop. It's well, it's a power play, you know? Yeah. I thought that was a cool note to play on. So right. And also you just, it's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't make that joke today you know it's too real today (laughs) well i mean i think you could make it today and you should make it today (laughs) i guess depending on what network you're on yeah sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) sure oh you could rick and morty this one easy oh Oh, yeah (laughs) yeah they may not go over well in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what they're doing. Not to go too far off, but when I heard that Brooklyn Nine-Nine trashed all the episodes they started and they're yeah. starting a new one, I'm so curious as to what their response to all this is going to be. And I'm actually really excited because Brooklyn Nine-Nine are the only cops that I like. <laughs> oh, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing, you know what's, this is an aside too, but I'm, so I'm working on Bless the Hearts and we had, we right around the time when, uh, um, all this um, stuff started well all this stuff started years and years ago but sure. w- when did it really come to a head recently was like uh, whenever Brooklyn Nine-Nine made that announcement like two months ago three months ago and we were we were just about to introduce a co- you know a couple of cop characters to our our world on, on our show mm-hmm. and all of a sudden um uh, the defund the police movement starts and we went to work the next day saying like, we probably like um, we probably should just back off. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's just no, we're, no one's ready to laugh at this. And then another writer friend of mine said, I bet you Brooklyn nine nine's having a hell of a time. <laughs> and I said, Oh no, you know what? They've got it figured out. Cause I worked there for a year and they were incredibly uh, woke. And um, as, they were as uh, they had figured out the how to walk that uh, tightrope. I think yeah. pretty really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said they they don't have a problem. They're not because you know the bad guys on that show are usually Russian mob. You know they're it's basically the bad guys are cartoon characters who don't exist in our world. And the the things that they do. It's like, I, I was so sure of myself that Brooklyn Nine-Nine would have no trouble. And then two days later they announced that they were rebreaking all their. <laughs> <laughs> When did you land on Hello by Lionel Richie? <laughs> Your choice. Because what ends up happening on, on every TV show, we deal with it all the time on Bless the Hearts. In fact, I just got an email from our, our producer saying, you know, you guys are $200,000 over budget on your music for the season. <laughs> we had to go through and cut a bunch of pop songs. Um, but yes, yeah, so what ends up happening is Sometimes you break a story where it's like, oh, it has to be this song. Uh, this song would be great. And then you pursue it and then you find out that it's way more expensive than, uh, it, you know, the studio doesn't want to pop for that song. Or if you do buy that song, uh, it may impact your budget for the next three episodes. So you end up doing a lot of, very often you, ha- you, you don't get to go with your first choice of music. Uh, but boy, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea how that song came into it when it came into it i just if you want to that, make the dave matthews band joke you got to have the dave matthews band song and yeah so it, that so. dave matthews band was yeah. in from the very beginning and that yeah yeah we wrote ourselves into a corner with that <laughs> so bless the heart is going to have daybreak playing a lot the next season <laughs> <laughs> oh my god That'd oh man we should
<laughs> what? It's going to happen now that you said that, Matt. That <laughs> Consulting <laughs> producer, yeah. Matt Pritchard. Yeah. Well, the, um... Oh, look at that. Uh, hello was in the original writer's draft. Ah. Uh, I stand corrected. I well. stand corrected. <laughs> I, I think yeah. I think y'all blow your song budget for this season real early. Like, this, this and Roxanne, and then you make Daybreak work for like twenty more episodes. <laughs> That's getting your money's worth. That's yeah. Oh my God. Um, I do have a. I guess it's a little not this specific episode, but so there's the part where. Annie's got the TV and I've heard you talk about in some interviews and other podcasts and stuff. So there's um, the funny things Alison Brie was doing with the, with the TV and on the phone. And then another one was the kind of same similar thing, but taking a picture of the, the first kind of printing of the anus flag and how (laughs) I just thought really fun how you are, kind of intending to send these to Dan and saying, like kind of checking in look at this fun stuff going on. I was wondering if there's any other, like, is that just a regular thing that you always try to do to just keep in touch or if there's any other really fun stories like that of other random phone. You just reminded me, you know what? I haven't watched this episode. It's uh, in a long, long time. I actually just forgot about that TV moment. uh, (laughs) So you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. So when did I, and did I, do I have video of that? I must've, you said in the commentaries you deleted it because it was weird to have that on your phone. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, from the yeah. director's commentary, you, you, which was probably fresh in your mind. So. Um. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, the cast was, you know, the cast was a bunch of fucking idiot children. <laughs> fucking I love it. <laughs> could, uh, uh, you know like so much of the time on set god bless them i mean they just loved each other so much and had so much fucking fun together that it was often hard to get them to like to, like you'd you'd want to let, indulge this bit you know because everyone's laughing and annie's like like shaking her boobs on the tv screen uh, uh, sorry, Allison, and that, but, and also you're like, well, we need to. Can you guys focus for a second because we're ready to roll? <laughs> I mean, this is adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember it now. She got very. She was doing basically. She was doing co- a, a bunch of commercials or something like that. She was just basically. Abed was pretend or uh, Abed. Uh, Danny was pretending to change the channel. Danny had like a, a pretend remote control. And uh, and then every time he clicked, uh, Allison did a different improv, and it was like different a combination of like commercials and shows and stuff, and <laughs> and almost all of them got sexual. <laughs> 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 and I'm pulling out my phone and I'm like, oh oh oh, this is so great! I'm gonna send this. I'm gonna send this to Dan. I'm gonna send this up to the writers room and show them. And then, like ten minutes later, I'm like, I can't have this on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we tend to sexualize her. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, try, we try not to sexualize her. But she, on her own, does plenty. Yeah. We don't do anything. She does everything. Yeah. I'll tell you the kind of, I'll tell you the, the has anyone ever spilled this? The spirit, I'll tell you the kind of in jokes that were happening on the set is that for a long time during season two, um, uh, 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 Donald and Joel had a running gag. 
and the whole point of the gag, this is wrong on every possible level. Uh, the whole point of the gag was that Donald would rush in um, acting scared, saying, you guys, you guys, there's, there's, a, there's, a, th there's, a, there's a, a thief here. There's a thief on the loose, on the loose. Uh, and Jeff would say, oh no, there's a thief. What's he doing? And Donald would say, he's a penis thief. He's gonna, ta he's gonna take everyone's penis. And then Jeff would say, what do I do? What do I do? And then Donald would say, you've got to hide it in my mouth. You've got to hide it in my mouth. <laughs> and he would kneel down and then Jeff would pretend to. <laughs> oh, wow. There's where to whip out the so camera. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, wow. So that was the environment that I walked into. Yeah, that was like on my first day of shooting the space bus episode. Um, and they're like doing this bit. And then someone pulled me aside. Uh, who was shooting that? Anthony, one of the roosters pulled me aside and said, these guys do a lot of bits. <laughs> All right. Oh, Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, I love I love bits. <laughs> okay. When did the fart come in to, to, to turn this story into, into this? Uh, that's fucking hilarious. We were, we were <laughs> basically. Let me pause it. We were trying to. Oh yeah, let's pause it. We were yeah, trying I'll go to break ahead, the story. Here. And um, we were sitting in we were sitting in the room. We were pitching it to Dan, like we had gotten at a certain point. And and so we we all were a group of writers were sitting in a room with Dan, thinking that we didn't know that basically there was like a crisis that, that something needed to happen to uh, to make people mad at each other, and we didn't know what it could be. And we, kept, we the, every version of this was like they get into a disagreement about something, and then when we I, I'm not sure quite why, but when you think about it now. There, is, there wouldn't have been enough room in the story. Like we were just having too much fun with the floating heads uh, to try to build up some sort of disagreement. And then, um, so Adam County uh, uh, was pitch, was walking us through the story circle or like, uh, and he was just going like, okay, so then, uh, and then it's going pretty well. And then they're, they're starting to win. And then I don't know, something happens, someone farts. And then uh, like, he literally <laughs> just said it as a placeholder. Because <laughs> wow. I don't know, something happens, someone farts or whatever. And then they're mad at each other. And then there was like this pause and Dan said, I think that has to be it. <laughs> I was worried that y'all had like lived it. That that was where I came from. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. someone farts. We had not lived it. It was a placeholder oh, pitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> the accidents. lines about it are really good. Yeah. Yes. It's, oh my it's god. It's the perfectly like juvenile thing to happen when they're doing United Nations, like they're peacekeeping, <laughs> like they're negotiating all these serious things. I like the cut in of Garrett saying like a genocidal dictator has uh, just like shut up about that. We're dealing with a fart right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I also love that they're like it falls apart, but they're not like fighting they just all start like, right. laughing and oh, right, right, right. together it's fighting. not like a it's not a fight it's yeah. yeah it breaks the tension is what it, it it's yeah exactly so better conflict yeah. <laughs>
I just, uh, I was yeah. reminded I have like one last question for you. So yes. th- th- one of the things that makes community so special when I think back to it is its ability to manipulate a pastiche when it wants to, to be able to take mm. an episode and say, let's do this completely different, you know, like contemporary American poultry and things like that. You know, what was that? Is that something that when you go into the, when you went into the room, it was like, we're, do- we're doing a mafia episode or we're doing like uh you know, for ass crack bandit, we're doing, you know, one of the, like, <clears throat> with this kind of like suspense thriller, like, what is that? First of all, what brings up that kind of environment where you feel free enough to play in that kind of realm? <laughs> and also, what are those days like when you're like, you know, that's it. We're doing a weird one today, folks. You know, like, what is that like? <laughs> all right, we'd like to do Ken Burns. Andy, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The, I mean, that really comes from Dan Harmon and uh, his Channel 101 days. I, I know I've heard him talk uh, a lot about how on that, you know, the, the game with Channel 101 was that you would make a, you, you know, everyone, anyone who wanted to could make an episode of a, you know, could invent a TV show and then it, they would vote every week. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Channel 101. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dan's earlier uh, effort that was like a combination of a website and also a, a community uh, of filmmakers. And, but he mm-hmm. said, um, what what evolved because of channel 101 was that people started realizing if i'm go if i okay I, d- I did an episode of a of like a goofy sitcom uh but if i'm if i want to stay on top i have to keep reinventing it or people will get bored with it and that's when they discovered genre you know changing keeping the characters and changing genres uh, uh and so you know that was in the dna of community i guess from yeah from from late sure. in season 1 yeah but the answer is like we wouldn't we felt um, uh, 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 we would not, c- uh, the wrong thing, the wrong way to do it is to come in and say, uh, I think we should do a, um, t- a, a Goodfellas episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that would never get any traction. In fact, I tried, Hillary Winston and I both came in around the same time, or I came in once and I said, we should do something like sliding doors. We should do like a multiple timelines episode. <laughs> and she said, I pitched sliding doors. It's like nothing, you know, <laughs> Coming in and just saying sliding doors w- would not get Dan's uh, motor running. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was more effective was when you're breaking a story about, because the reason why our parody episodes work better than other, I'm going to come right out and say it, work better than other sitcoms parody episodes is that there's at the heart of any community parody episode, there's a real story. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so yeah. you would come up there's with the some story kind of first. truth. And at some point in the story breaking process, you would discover that, oh, you know what? If we did this like, uh, it, like a, uh, th- uh, what was the lava? Um, shoot. Who Flora's was, lava. This other, one, this other Geo reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but who, who was that filmmaker we were, th- like a moody, if we did this like a moody thriller, uh, it would be cool. Um, if, like if we did the Troy Abed, um, breakup story, you know, uh, 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 Troy moving away story, like a moody thriller, that would be like a, a David Fincher thriller. That would be pretty right. cool. Yeah. So, and then, so once, as soon as those words get uttered, then you're like, okay, <laughs> this is exciting. Let's first of all, waste <laughs> a day watching a bunch of David Fincher movies. <laughs> and then <laughs> let's jot down a list of all the tropes we want to hit. Mm-hmm. And then you, of course you don't get to any of those. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> and then the other thing that we would do uh, was by season three, especially 
we realized it's not it's no longer enough for community to just do a movie parody it has to be kind of it has to have it has to be a mashup or it has to have a second element that comes into it that thwarts the initial parody and that's how you get <laughs> things like um uh, my dinner with abed mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh yeah, like a, uh, where the where another element sneaks in, I guess, is what like is that true? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, they, uh, they oh yeah, like the whole yeah uh, Pulp Fiction bit on the right. front end, and they're hiding my dinner right. with Andre, right, 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 <laughs> which right. I had to go rent afterwards to figure oh, yeah, out what the yeah. what the bit was. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that was very a very common refrain in the writing. I wasn't there in season one, but. Um, Evidently, it was a real breakthrough for them when they realized that in the paintball episode, Jeff and a Jeff and Britta would kiss. Um, mm. And it was uh, it was kind of like something they discovered along the way was that you do a, a wild blowout parody that has not a whole lot of emotional, um, you know, that starts off seeming like just a romp. Mm -hmm. And then if you just put one very poignant moment in the middle of it, or at the at the climax of it, you end up with an incredibly deep episode because people don't see it coming. <laughs> and so often, when we would break a parody or like a genre thing, someone we really would use the word. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but someone would say, "What's the Jeff Annie, What's the Jeff Britta kiss in this story?" Mm. <laughs> right? I mean, look, if it works, it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my Very god. Very cool. Thank you so much. Um, so community was unique in that social media was really kind of coming into its own with Twitter and everything like that when it started. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder how that affected the writing of the show, um, because of that feedback, almost instantaneous for the good and the ill of it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? It was, it was the most exhilarating, like I had never experienced anything like it. Um, and yeah, the fact that there was an actual dialogue going on back and forth between the show and the fans was like in, uh, just intoxicating, just amazing that it happened. Um, and I guess you're right. It was the first time that had really taken off. And we would rush to, you know, we would definitely read every Friday or every Thursday night, <laughs> we would read the AV Club review and read and, and scour the comments. Um, and uh uh, and then there were things that happened there, you know, there are Easter eggs all over the show where Dan is talking to fans like there, you know, the famous one is that there was a woman named Gwynifer. Uh, <laughs> that the woman's name, the, Jeff's date in the past. Yeah. Episode? Yeah. yeah, that that there's someone on Twitter. There was a person on Twitter whose, whose uh, screen name was Gwynifer, who, who was, who was, uh, you know, giving Dan a hard time about something. And so he took it out on her by naming this character Gwyneth. <laughs> 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 wow, that is so petty. <laughs> so petty. I love that. Did, so did, you, did you see where the AV Club talked about how community was important for their people reading I about them? I saw that. that. Nuts. And I had never considered it from that perspective. So the AV Club is incredibly important to us, and we were addicted to it. And we thought, um, you know, an A from the AV Club was like what we all shot for. And we would, we that's what, you know, when definitely when Adam County and I were moping around and, you know, I would go like, oh, this is, this is going to be special. This is going to be a B or a B minus, I bet. Like, <laughs> we, would, we would guess the grade. 
Um, but I hadn't <laughs> thought about it from their perspective, the symbiotic relationship, because they, in that article, they said the community was actually paying the bills for yes. that website. <laughs> Wow. Yes. They would get so many page views on Thursdays because of their community reviews that all of their other operations were basically <laughs> subsidized by community. Wow. Hell yeah. Awesome. Great. Uh, and we definitely want to thank Andy for spending time with us today. He is currently the executive producer, one of the executive producers for Bless the Hearts, which has its seasons two premiere on September 27th on Fox, correct? Right after correct. The Simpsons? Yes. 8.30 p.m. Nice. All right. All right. Thank you. I'll make sure I get all the names right. Thank you, Alex, Ashley, Jace, Kevin, and Ed. Thank you, everybody. And Mike, mm -hmm. my partner. Uh, thank you for everybody for being with us, and uh, we'll see you as soon as we can.